This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit WOGCC.com. Would you bow your head this morning? Lord, we thank you so much for what you're doing in our hearts, what you're doing in our lives, what you're doing in our church family. And God, we just ask that you would lead and guide us by your Holy Spirit into this next year, and as we wrap up things in 2014, God, pray that you would just do so much in us and through us, God, greater than anything we could ever think or anticipate. But Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. We honor you today, Lord. We just thank you, God, that you take this word today that will be shared, Father, and it will just penetrate hearts, that it will penetrate whatever situation, whatever emotion someone is feeling or experiencing, whatever type of situation they may find themselves in, your word and your spirit can pierce through the hardest of hearts, the hardest of minds, the darkest of situations, Lord, and you can shine your light, you can soften the hardest hearts, you can wake up dreams again, you can wake up passions again, you can renew, Lord, and remind us of our calling and who we are in Christ. I pray you do all those things and so much more in the hearts and lives of people in this place today, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, it was three years ago that I came to this church and I preached my very first message as a candidate for the pastoral position here at Word of Grace. And when I came here three years ago and I became the senior pastor at Word of Grace, you know, I, I can honestly say that I understand a little bit more about leadership now than I did then. One of the things that I have learned is that, you know, basically when you come to somewhere new in ministry or, or anywhere for that matter, is that you're a leader by title only. You haven't earned any coin with people. You haven't really made a lot of investments. You don't have a lot of relationship there. So there's really not a deep trust factor. I mean, it's kind of like, I want to trust you, but I'm not sure. And so therefore, when someone gets up in a pulpit and they're the new pastor and they say, hey, God's told me this or let's do this or let's do that, people are like, yeah, we don't know you. And, and, and that's fair. I mean, if you've ever read anything on leadership, if you've ever read uh, John Maxwell's uh, Five Levels of Leadership, you understand that leadership is basically influence, and you know it's basically earning trust with people. And some things you do, you're making deposits and investments in people's lives as a leader to garner that trust and to earn that trust, and then sometimes you make decisions where you actually make withdrawals from people. And, 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 but you have to always be investing as, as, if you ever expect people to go forward with you or to to trust or to move forward as a leader. And I've always been in the position where I haven't really had those roots down any place that I've been in ministry to be able to see long term. And so when I get up and I cast vision or I say, hey guys, this is what God's put in my heart, most of the time when I would do that in the past, it would always be what's right here, like what's facing me right in the moment and what's in front of me. And I always wanted to be able to see long term down the road. I always wanted to be able to have this clear vision to say, this is where we're going, this is what God wants us to do, because when I first showed up here, people were asking me questions about every single little thing. I remember one of the first questions I got asked when I became the new pastor was, do you want to order this kind of offering envelope or this kind of offering envelope. And I'm like, I have no idea. Why are you people asking me these questions? And I mean, it's just a flood of all of this learning and all this newness, not to mention that I was not uh, raised in this uh, culture or this environment. I mean, the, the, the Midwest is different from the culture I was raised in in the South, and Sheboygan is different from the Midwest. 
I mean, I came to a land of bratwurst and cheese and packers and, 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 and all these different things that I had to learn even culturally. I mean, I, learning the importance of certain days or certain events and why it was so meaningful to people. And, and I, so I've been a student in that realm for the past three years just learning those things and getting really immersed in the culture. But my wife and I's prayer before we transitioned to Wisconsin because we knew we were in a season of transition. We didn't know where God was going to take us. But our prayer was, was that God, wherever you take us, we want to be there. We want to plant roots. We want to get invested. Because one of the things that I've always seen in ministry is that if anyone is making an impact for the kingdom of God in a significant way where lives are truly being changed, where disciples are being grown, where the gospel is being preached and shared in a powerful, impacting way that's making a difference not only in the lives of those people in the congregation, but the lives of the community in which the congregation live. When I see those types of churches making those types of impact, one of the things that I see consistent in those types of ministries and those types of churches is longevity and leadership. I'm like, God, I want that. That's in my heart. You've put that in my heart. I don't want to just look at a church as a, as a stepping stone onto something bigger and greater or whatever the case may be. I'm like, God, wherever you take us next, that's where we want to be because I believe that you truly, I, I believe God won't allow you to see further down the road until you've settled that in your heart. And I really feel that. I really believe that. Because if you're always in a place and, and have the mentality of transition, then anytime something negative comes along, then you're always thinking of your way out. You're always looking for a way of escape when pressure comes. You're always looking for, okay, this stinks. Let me go find something else. Every time that you're in transition in your life and pressure is applied, you've got to make a decision. Am I called to be here? Is this what God wants me to do? Whether it's a church or whether it's working at McDonald's, you've got to make a decision. Am I supposed to be here? Amen? Sometimes you've got to make that decision when you and your spouse aren't getting along very well. Am I called to this? Did I make a promise, a covenant, a commitment? And that's what helps us to endure. Not because everything always goes our way. Amen? Because everything's not going to go our way. So it's not about convenience. It's about calling. You see, we're not conveniently called. And so when I moved up here 900 miles away from everything that was comfortable, everything that I knew that was familiar, even accents that were familiar, and, and now I've learned Sheboyganese, and I know how to properly use yet, once, so, and all that good stuff, you know? And I'm going to come over by you once. And I know what that means. I understand. <laughs> I know that you don't mean that we're only going to see each other one time and then we're never going to see each other again. I know what you're saying now. I have had a double broad on the hard roll. I've been to a Packers game. I mean, come on. I, and so uh, it, it, it's good to have learned those things. But, you know, having to grow and learn in a culture that's different from what you experience, you go, this is not familiar. It's not always easy. But when you really drill it down to what God says, you have to answer the question, am I called? I mean, wouldn't it be great if we said, you know what, God, I'll answer calling if that means Florida. When, when people go to Florida, they always love to post on Facebook to their Wisconsin friends who are four foot deep in snow, and they always like to say, ha 95, I'm at Disney World. <laughs> and that's what they love to do, because they love to show you the temperature it is. So you'll go, oh, you've got to be kidding me, you know, it's like windshields negative 40 degrees, you know. But it's not that we're all called to what is easy. It's not that we're all called to what's convenient. It's we're supposed to be called where God calls us, where He wants us to be, and He will give us the grace to be where He wants us to be. 
And I've been in ministry for 15 years now. This is the only job, if you will, that I've ever had. And everywhere that I've ever been, I've only been able to see this far. And that's been reflected in the way that I led because I would only attack issues that were right here. It would be things that were just screaming at me. I couldn't see further down the road. But what God has done in me in 2014 is that he has helped solidify me here at this church where he's given me a 30-year plan and he's shown me where we're going and not in a broad sense that sounds super spiritual. You know how us church people, we like to be broad because it sounds really spiritual, like God's got great things for you. Okay, what does that mean? God's going to do great things in your life and you're going to forget those things in the past and all this. And it sounds great and it sounds good and it might even be true, but what does it look like? What does that mean? And instead of that broad sense, God has given me very specific things, very attainable things that I'm going to be sharing with you over the next few weeks. And I believe that the reason he's given me that is because he settled some things in my heart as the pastor of this church that he said, this is where you're called to be. And this is what we all need to be looking for in our lives. It's where are we called to be? What are we called to be doing? Whether it's on a stage preaching or teaching the Word of God, or whether it's ministering where you're at. Because a lot of people always want to have this escape mentality because they think Christianity is all about you getting what you want. Well, what if what you want isn't what God wants? I had a buddy of mine who was a traveling evangelist. And he always felt called to pastor. He had a pastor's heart. Wanted to pastor a church. Oh, I want to pastor a church. But the only job that he could get and keep was staying at a Taco Bell in a management position. And he kept that job for 15 years. And about 10 years into it, he was mad at God and said, God, I'm supposed to be pastoring a church. I have a pastor's heart. And God shook him and said, what business of yours is it if I have called you to pastor the people at Taco Bell? He said, I never thought of it that way. I never thought about me having responsibility to the people who I'm managing or the people who come through my doors and having a pastor's heart towards those people. Because we always think this and and lights and stages and and, and all this stuff. Ministry is not only what happens in the church. It's everyday stuff. Amen? I don't get a special express lane to heaven because I have pastor in front of my name or I have a degree in front of or behind my name. That doesn't make me any more special in the eyes of God. We're all on the same playing field because of Jesus Christ. Amen? It's not, oh, well, he's the pastor. God really likes him. No. God can't hear my prayers any more than he can hear yours. You need to understand that we are all children of God, and He loves us all the same. You want to know how I know that? Because He paid the same price for all of us. That's how you know how much something's worth, is how much does it cost. We all cost the same. We all cost Jesus. And He paid with His blood. Amen? For you and for me. For all of us. For the whole world. God so loved the world that He paid the same price for everybody, so we're all worth the same in the eyes of God. We're all loved the same in the eyes of God. It's not about favoritism in the eyes of God. So understand that each one of us are called to be ministers because 2 Corinthians 5 and 21 talks about how we have all been given the ministry of reconciliation. Every one of us. Not just people who are pastors of churches. People who are called to be pastors of Taco Bell. So everyone wants to have this escape mentality where if something doesn't go my way, I want to run away from it. Or if something is putting pressure on me, I want to run away from it. What if you're called to it? And what if you're called to thrive in the middle of that pressure? What if you're the only Christian at your workplace and you've been looking for another job because of that fact, but God has called you to be there to influence people for His glory and His kingdom? 
Instead of you going, oh, my boss isn't a Christian. I need a good Christian environment. Have you stopped to ask the question, is this a matter of convenience or a matter of calling? Because it's a matter of calling, there's a different weight that comes with it. There's a different responsibility that comes with it. There's a different grace that will also come with it as well. And you need to remind yourself of that grace that he extends to you. And be a recipient of that grace. And the grace that we received, what are we called to do with that grace, folks? Give it. Amen? Because God has called us to be conduits of all of the blessings from above. Every blessing that you and I receive from God doesn't stop with us. It's only supposed to keep on flowing through us. So if you receive joy, what are you supposed to do? Conduit. Pass it along. What are you supposed to do if you receive grace, forgiveness, mercy? You're supposed to pass it along. Because it's not about you and it's not for you. It's for His glory. And when we realize that and stop making Christianity about us, then we make it about God and for His glory. We realize we're a vessel to be poured into, to be poured out of. That changes everything. And when we understand the weight of calling, then it's not about convenience anymore. It's not about what's easy for me. It's about what am I called to do? And it's about me knowing in my heart and settling that. And that's what I believe God has done in me in 2014. As that in this year, as I reflect back on it, and I go, you know what? I've been a pastor at Word of Grace for three years. And we've had good times, and we've had some rough times, and, and I thank God for both. Because they've helped us to grow and become more and more the church that He wants us to be. And now that I have settled that in my heart, what God has done in me personally, as the pastor of this church, as he's allowed me to see further down the road, clearly moving forward. Three years ago, I preached a message to you. It was my first message. And the title of that message was Clearly Moving Forward. And I thought I would use that same title today to help share with you how we can all clearly move forward together as a church, as the body of Christ. Because you need to understand something about God's leading if we're to move together in unity, if we're to move together as a church and as individuals, as husbands and wives, as mothers and fathers, as business owners, as employees, as sons and daughters. If we're supposed to move forward in the calling that He's given us, we need to understand how to be led by God. We need to understand that God always, 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 did I say always, always leads by peace. When does He lead by peace? Always. That's correct. God always leads by peace. Now, that doesn't mean that where God is leading you or what He's leading you to do is going to be convenient or easy or comfortable. It doesn't mean that your emotional state will be one of peace and calm. We're not talking about an emotion. We're talking about a knowing in your spirit. Something that transcends what you feel. It's a knowing. When we ask God, am I supposed to buy this car and tack on this note? Not just does it make sense on paper, is, does God want me to do it? Does God want me to buy this home? Not, is it the home of my dreams? Is it everything I wanted? No, is God, do I have that knowing in my heart? Is it time for me to change jobs? Do I know this in my heart? Is it something God's leading me to do? Or is it something that's just a matter of convenience? Is it something that would just work easier for me? Have I asked God, what does he want me to do? What has He called me to do? How can I thrive in the environment that He's called me to? Because if you look all throughout Scripture, you see that the struggles of humanity that everyone had, the common thread is that trusting in God will always, always put us in the center of His will. Oh, that's good. I'll say that again. Sure, okay. <laughs> trusting God will put us in the center of His will if we're trusting Him. 
if we're trusting him and being led by him. Now, we talked about this a little bit when I went through our teaching in Romans, Romans chapter 8. If you have your Bible, you can go to Romans 8. The Apostle Paul just finished up talking about how we have this battle between the flesh and the spirit. And he said, we don't need to walk according to the flesh, but we need to walk according to the spirit. Because as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And then he tells us what that means and what that looks like in Romans 8 and verse 16. He says, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. Our spirit bears witness with God's spirit to let us know we belong to him. Kind of like during this holiday season, if you have adult children and they came to your house and they immediately went for your goodie drawer or they went to your refrigerator, they didn't ask, they didn't even check up. You don't even live in my house. What are you doing messing with my stuff? Why did they do that? Because they know they belong. They know this is home, especially if it was somewhere that they grew up. Everything's familiar. They know where everything is. They have this sense of belonging, this sense of ownership, this sense of this is where I'm supposed to be. That's that same knowing that you and I have that we belong to God. You see, we don't understand that we're Christians because of necessarily what we do. It's not something that I have based on my ability to keep certain rules. It's something that I have by faith in the finished work of the cross of Christ. And when I have that, it's deeper than what I do. It actually changes what I do because because I change who I am and who I belong to. I'm no longer my own. I'm bought with a prize. I understand I belong to God. I'm now a child of God. I am now a son or a daughter of the creator of the universe. And when I have that sense of belonging, it changes everything. And that's what Paul is saying here is our spirit bears witness with God's spirit that we just know that we're his. And good works flow out of that, not good works uh, first in order to earn that, because that's not how salvation comes. It's not through earning or by works, amen? It's by grace that you're saved, through faith, and that's not even of yourself, because that would be something that you could boast about, something you could be proud about, something you could say, look at what I did. No, it's all about Jesus. Jesus paid it all, Jesus did it all, and Romans 1 and 17 says that the just shall live by grace faith. Amen? So we're made right in the eyes of God by faith. So it's something that I know I belong to God. Man, I just know I belong to God. How do I know? Because I have faith. Where did faith come? Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I've heard his word. I believed his word. I've trusted his word. I believed in my heart. I've confessed with my mouth. It's not because of all the things that I've done. Because if you look at all the things I've done and I try to tally those up in order to earn goodness in God's eyes, that's me trying to live my, my own justification and my own brand of righteousness. And the Bible says that our righteousness is like filthy rags. And it says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So it's by faith that we're saved. It's by faith and trusting in what he did for us, giving us that grace, sending his son Jesus Jesus Christ to die on the cross for us. That's what makes us right in the eyes of God. And when I know I belong to him, it settles something in me. And then I begin to have that peace come over me knowing that I'm right with God. You see, faith always comes first, and then feeling comes later. If you get it backwards, then you're living by feeling and not by faith. If you wait until you feel like doing something before you do it, then you're going to be led by your emotions and allow your emotions to dictate your actions instead of allowing faith to lead your life. You see, if we came to church every time we felt like it, man, I wouldn't even show up all the time. (laughs) Just being honest. And if you're honest, you'd you'd say the same thing. And if you say, oh no, I always feel like it. 
Come on. You guys are just happy they moved the Packer game back to 3.30. That's why you guys are so chilled out today. You see, sometimes we have to make decisions that aren't always the easiest, that aren't always convenient, that I may not feel like making. I don't always feel like reading God's Word. I don't always feel like worshiping Him. Sometimes I come in and I'm upset because one of my daughters couldn't find their shoe. And I'm like, where in the world did you put your shoe? Why can you not keep up with your shoe? And we spent 30 minutes looking for the shoe. We were late because we were looking for a shoe because we didn't want our child to come to church with one shoe on and one off. Unless that would make someone feel sorry for us. And hey, pastor, here's 20 bucks, man. (laughs) I don't know. I might try that sometime. But (laughs) I kid, I kid. But you come stressed out sometimes. You don't always feel like doing everything. You don't always feel like being polite or nice to someone. You don't always feel like preferring your spouse. You don't always feel like saying kind, encouraging things to your kids. Sometimes we have to do things when we don't feel it because we know that it's what God wants us to do. And when we do that first, that's a stepping out in faith instead of letting feelings dictate our lives. And a lot of times people don't want to do something unless it feels good. Well, what if God is telling you? What if there's this knowing? Because there's been a lot of things in my life that felt really good, that I thought was a good move, but I knew that God was telling me no. I know that there's one particular mistake that I made in my life that I thought was a really good move at the time. It made sense in my head, and it felt really good, but it was a really bad decision. But I felt like it was something I really wanted. And that's two words, time, share. I know it's one word, but timeshare. I felt good about it. It was exciting. I got caught up in the moment, and they helped me make sense of it on paper. I mean, my goodness, if I sell a kidney and, and you, you know, it makes sense to me. You know, you donate your liver to science, and we, you know, allow experiments to be done on us to get extra checks, you know, and we could afford that. Sure, why not? Let's go for it. Making those decisions, and and it took us a while to recover from that decision. Eventually, we got all that straightened out, but man, it was not a good move for us at the time, but it felt good. It felt right. I was excited about it, but there was something on the inside of me that was like, shouldn't do this. And when I listened to that, and I learned to hear God's voice, because He cares about every area of your life. He's going to lead you, the Bible says. He will lead us and guide us into all truth. Amen? The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. Proverbs 3 and 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. Acknowledge Him in all your ways and He will direct your path. Amen? That's what the Word says. He wants to lead us and guide us. And you may think this is silly, but I really believe that God helped me to learn to hear His voice and be led by Him. Even at an early age, there would be some things that, that I would get checked on in my heart things that were maybe really insignificant to most people. But when I was in a, a, a grocery store, oftentimes, I would see that maybe an end cap of uh, paper towels, a few would be knocked off, and I would just feel like I needed to go do something about that. Now, I'm not getting paid for that. I'm 10, 11, 12 years old, you know. Uh, you know and, and, but I felt like I needed to go do that. And I really felt like God was trying to help me understand listening to Him in the little things, because we always want to hear God in the middle of big, huge decisions, but we don't want to involve God in the day-to-day things. Well, the principle in the Word of God is that if He can trust us with the little things, then He can trust us with the big things, right? 
We see that in the parable of the talents, where he said, you've been faithful over these few things, now I'm going to make you ruler over many things. So if we want to be led in larger things or bigger things in life and understand that clearly hear God's voice so we can clearly move forward and know with confidence that we're walking hand in hand with God and we're not just rolling the dice with this thing, then we need to learn to hear him in the little things. Everybody wants to pray and ask God to come and step in in the middle of their crisis when something huge is going on. What about the little things? Do you know He cares about the little things in your life? Do you know that He knows every hair on your head? He knows the number of hair on your head. You guys are quick. But He cares about all the little things in our lives that we may not think are very significant. But he cares about those things. He cares about the little areas of our lives. So you don't just have to go to God in the middle of crisis, in the middle of turmoil. He wants you to go to him with small things. Don't you know he cares for you? Don't you know that there's not a sparrow that falls out of the sky that he doesn't notice? Don't you know that if he clothes the lilies of the field, which are today and then are not tomorrow, he said, how much more does he care for you? How much more does God care about you, his, his children? Those who worship him and who are created for his glory, who are created for a great purpose. Don't you think that he cares about those things? So yes, we do need to learn to hear God in those big things, but also what about those little things? I remember as a kid that when I would ignore that knowing in my, just in my gut, man, if I would walk past that end cap and not pick up that paper towel, I would think about that for a while. It would bother me. I feel like that's God trying to teach me in the little things. And so then when I got older, I got a job at a grocery store when I was a teenager. I remember there would be people who would come through my line that God would say, I remember one little girl in particular, that God just told me to buy her this pack of gum. She came, she had this pack of gum, she set it up on the, on the counter, and she was going to buy this little pack of gum, had this huge smile on her face. And I just knew in my heart, it wasn't just me doing a kind gesture. It was something I knew I was supposed to do. It was, it was deeper than me just being a nice guy. It was God going, okay, can I trust you with this? Can I trust you with this area here? Will you listen to me and obey me here in this little area? Because if we're going to be looking for God for major transitions and ma- major moves and major things in our lives, we need to be able to hear him in the little things. And the way that God speaks to you and the way that God may be leading you may not be the same way that he leads me. God does things different just to mess us up. <laughs> Jesus healed a blind guy one time by spitting on the ground and making mud pies and rubbing them on the guy's eyes. And then he healed another blind guy by just speaking. Same type of deal, different ways of going about healing. Now, the way that we work is that we would see Jesus spit in the mud and go, oh, let's all scoop up that mud and sell it for $19.95. <laughs> because we want to can Jesus and pass him out to everybody, and there would be tons of dirt in Christian bookstores today for sale. Because we think this is how it has to be. And folks, that's not the way Jesus did it. Sometimes he laid hands on people. Sometimes he just spoke the word. Sometimes he never even met the person. It didn't matter. You see, he did it different ways. And I think he did that on purpose to show us that if he speaks to one person one way and speaks to another person a different way, you need to learn how God is leading you in your life. 
Instead of looking for this cookie cutter way where everybody has to have the same experiences and now everybody that goes to Walmart is going to be freaking out when you see paper towels dropped on the floor because you think that that's the way God's going to do things with you. And maybe he does, but maybe he doesn't. You need to be attentive to knowing when that, that knowing, that deep knowing inside of you that's leading you in those small areas or in those larger areas. Listen to the voice of God because as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now you know that when God leads us that He's never going to lead us contrary to His Word. Amen? So that's one of the major things that we want to look at is, is it a matching up or lining up with His Word? Hebrews 4 and 12 says that the Word of God is alive and powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's dividing between joint and marrow. It's dividing between soul and spirit. So here we understand that our spirit is the part of us that is recreated in the image of God, the part of us, the 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. Therefore, if any man's in Christ, all things are passed away, all things become new. He's talking about our spirit, who we were that was dead, cut off, without relationship to God, has now been restored, made in the image of God. We now share in His life together. We're partakers of His spirit. Now He lives on the inside of us, and His spirit bears witness with our spirit. But then there's a soul part of us that still needs to be renewed, that still needs to grow, that is growing in sanctification. And that's the part of our mind, the way we think, our will or our desires and our emotions, the way that we feel about things. And the Bible says in Hebrews 4 and 12 that the word of God divides between soul and spirit. So in other words, it's the litmus test to whether or not you're being led by God. Because the more that you understand God's word and the more that you read his word, the more you're getting to know him. You know what you're getting to know? You're getting to know his heart. That's all the Bible is. From cover to cover is God showing us His heart. That's it. We see God's heart. Then we, the more we know Him, the more we know His heart, then the more that I can trust Him because I know Him. How can I say I love someone if I have no trust? Oh, I love you, but I don't really trust you. No, the two have to go hand in hand with each other. Where love grows, there's trust, a strong foundation of trust. And you're always investing in that. Trust has to be there for love to exist. Amen? That's why God wants us to trust Him. That's why we sing songs about the rock won't move and how He's faithful and He's consistent. The Bible also gives a story where Jesus was telling a parable about a wise man who built his house on the rock and a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The wise man built his house on a rock. Jesus said, this man is the the, the one who listens to my words and hears them and does them. He said, the foolish man is the one who ignores my words, and he is basing his life off of what he thinks, what he reasons within himself, what he feels, and what he alone decides. Because he's going to be shifting all the time. Well, I feel right about this. I don't feel right about that. And it's always how I feel about it, or how I've rationalized it out in my mind. And man, I'm not consistent. I'm not, I'm not stable. I'm not solid because my life is not built upon the solid rock of the words of Christ. Because if I want to live my life my way and follow my own direction, guess what? I get my results. I get my results. I get my results. If I follow God in His direction and get to know His heart and I'm led by His Spirit and by His Word, then guess what? I get God's results. And God's results are going to be better than your results. Amen? Here's the hard part, though. What if God's results aren't what you expected? What if God leads you and guides you into something or some place that may be a season of growth for you or something that He's wanting to do in you or through you, but it didn't meet all of your convenient 
requests that you would want to have, all of your rathers, your, your should be, could be? What if it was instead something that God was doing in you and through you? But oftentimes we want to run away from those things and bail from those, but we shouldn't because we need to stop and go, is this what God wants? Because I want what God wants above what I want. Amen? Amen? God can work great things in situations and He can take things that the enemy would like to try to use to destroy us and turn them around for His good and His glory. He, he loves to do that all the time. And when we look back on it, you're like, I saw God there the whole time. But when you're in it, boy, you're like, where's God? I feel alone. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. God, where are you at? But let me tell you, the Bible says He'll never leave you or forsake you. Amen? One time, the prophet Elijah, he was on Mount Horeb in the area of Mount Sinai where, 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 where uh, Moses received the Ten Commandments. What a special place to be. But Elijah wasn't there because he was looking for anything special as much as he was hiding for his own life. Because the king's wife, Jezebel, was actually seeking him out to kill him. And he thought he was the only prophet left that God had. And he was on the mountain feeling sorry for himself. And here's Elijah, and he's going, oh God, I'm the only one you got left. And then the Bible says that a wind came. The Bible says God wasn't in the wind. And then a fire came. God wasn't in the fire. It said there was an earthquake. God wasn't in the earthquake. Then the Bible says, but then came a still small voice, and then God began to speak to Elijah. You see, here's Elijah in a very special place where God spoke to Moses in very special ways. He was looking for God to do things to him like he did to Moses, and God didn't do it that way. God spoke to him in a still, small voice. He needed to quiet himself down and see that God wasn't in those other things. Here was God wanting him to humble himself and quiet himself down so he could speak to him to give him directions of what he needed to do to reassure him that he wasn't alone, even when he felt alone. He was looking for God to do something huge and dramatic, and God came to him in a very humble way, in a very small way, but yet it was a big turning point in Elijah's life. You see, he knew God, and because he knew God, he grew in trust in God, and that's what God wants us to do. Now, here's the thing. I think that God is telling us this morning that where he wants to take us, where he wants to take your family, where he wants to take you with your job, with your marriage, with the ministry that God has called you to do, where he's called this church to be, has to be led by his spirit, has to be led by his word, and has to be led by peace. If we're going to clearly move forward together. And I want us to move forward together because we understand God is leading this thing, that God is in charge of this thing, God is in control. Clearly moving forward comes from trusting God and being led by His peace. That means that now is not the time to lose heart. That means now is not the time to give up or quit. Now is not the time to begin to isolate ourselves or abandon the faith or to abandon one another. It's time to really link arms and hearts and go, okay, God, I am called to this thing and I'm ready to dig my heels in because this is where I'm called to be. It's a deeper thing than just convenience. It's a deeper thing than just familiarity. Man, it would be easier because it would be easier just to stay with familiarity. It would be easier just to do the things that were convenient or easy for us. I remember that when we moved 900 miles from everything convenient and easy and familiar, people did not understand. They're like, what is in Wisconsin? We've never even been there before. <laughs> I remember Holly's grandmother who passed away this past year, passed away on her 93rd birthday. She would always say, I'm praying that God opens the doors of a church. 
that's 30 minutes down the road from this one in this town because I think you guys will be happy there and I want there, you guys to be back. She didn't understand. She prayed that we would come back and other people prayed that we would be there. Oh, we want them back and people missed us and all those things and we missed family and friends and familiarity because when I came here to this town, I had no idea where Walmart was, man. And if a southern Arkansas boy doesn't know where Walmart is, he is lost. <laughs> he finds Walmart as soon as he can, and he puts his arms around it and kisses the ground and says, oh, this is a little taste of home. That's where my people are at. But you know... When you come from all those things that are so familiar, man, it would be easier. You would think rationally in your mind, yeah, maybe we should have gone back. Maybe we should have taken the more convenient, easier, familiar path. But that wasn't the path that God had for us. That wasn't what God wanted. You see, and when we want what God wants, and we submit ourselves to that, and we buy into that, we begin to see further down the road. We begin to see clearly. That way, when we step you know, the first time we stepped, we're, we're a little shaky. You remember when Jesus called Peter out of the boat? Could you imagine that first step that Peter took had to be the biggest step of all? Could you imagine that first step? Think about the first step when Jesus called Peter in the middle of a storm, calling him to do something he's never done before, all right? As far as I know, nobody's walking on water. David Blaine was not around yet, doing his magic tricks or whatever. But anyways, no, I mean... The, the thing is that walking on water, nobody had done this before, so there wasn't like lessons or, or things anyone could take to become an expert water walker. It was something that he had to trust, so he stepped out of the boat, and the first step, man, could you imagine that first step? Whoa. And then the second step. And with each step, what do you think happened in Peter's walk? He probably got stronger, more confident, until what? He got his eyes off of Jesus. Could you imagine about the third or fourth step when Peter realized that he was walking on water? I'm not as shaky as I was before. I'm a little bit more sure, a little bit more confident. And then the storm swells up and he gets his eyes on that. Then all of a sudden he begins to sink. It's the same thing in our lives. You see, when God calls us to step out from familiarity, from what would be easiest, what would be most convenient, we might be a little shaky, but the more we step in that direction, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the more confident our steps become. And the more we grow in trusting in Him, the more we understand being led by His Spirit, the more we understand His heart through getting to know Him through His Word and believing this is where I'm called to be, this is what I'm called to do. My steps get more confident. And I'll tell you now that I've been here for three years as a pastor, and we've been through some of the things we've been through together as a church. As I look back on those things, and I thank God for those things, good things and rougher things that were more difficult, things that we did right, things that we did wrong. Things that I did right, things that I did wrong. I look back and I say, God, you've still been faithful and I'm still called. And now that I've made that decision, I can see further down the road. Now I can say, God, show me what you have for us. And he says, I'm going to show you 30 years of what I want to do through you and in you and what I want to do through and in the lives of the people of this church. And then I began to get a deeper confidence and a deeper trust. And some of those things, when I share those things over the next few weeks, you guys are going to be like, yeah, we got this. And then I'm going to share some things, and you're going to be like, okay, that's nice. And then some things I'm going to share, and you're going to be like, whoa, hold on a second there, buddy. I mean, come on. 
But regardless of what reaction to what thing that is shared, it's about us taking a step of faith. See here at Word of Grace, part of our ministry philosophy is that God leads us in steps, not leaps. That doesn't mean that the step won't be a leap of faith, but it's still a step nonetheless. God takes us from point A to point B. Look at the life of David, King David, who was anointed as a shepherd boy to be the king of Israel. He was anointed, no doubt. He's the king of Israel, anointed. God has called him, no doubt. But what did he have to do? Did he immediately go wear the crown? No. Took care of his dad's sheep, and then he went and killed a giant. Well, surely after he killed the giant, then he got the crown, right? He got to be the king. Then actually the king tried to kill him. And he actually had to run for his life for a little while. Was God in all of that? Absolutely. Protecting him, watching over him the whole time. Amen? The whole time. Well, after the, the king was chasing him around, surely that's when he became king. No, actually, he, he lived in caves for a little while. Oh, that sounds fun. It's all in the will of God. It's all part of his plan. Is David still anointed? Yes. Is he still called to be king? Yes. And then finally, when he does step into the kingship, everything was lovely and perfect. No, he still made some mistakes even then. You see, it's about a journey. It's not about, I have arrived and, 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 and now let's all just stop growing. We're all going to keep on growing. Amen? And we're going to see the faithfulness of God be the thread that is weaved all throughout the tapestry of our lives. Sometimes you don't see it when you're in it. I don't know if David felt the, the comfort and faithfulness of God when he was running for his life from Saul. I don't know if David was always comforted. I think we can read throughout the Psalms and see some of his struggles. I love that God allowed that to be in his word for us to see. Because, man, it makes you feel a lot more normal. <laughs> don't you love it when you're struggling and somebody lets you know they're just being real and honest with you about their struggles and you go, wow, thank you for sharing that. Now I don't feel so alone. The enemy would love to isolate you, would love to make you feel alone, would love to make you feel like you're the only one dealing with what you're dealing with. You're the only one struggling with what you're struggling with. You're the only one who feels the way you feel. And if people really knew who you were and really knew what you were all about, they wouldn't want anything to do with you. And there's nothing further from the truth, but that's the lie that the enemy uses to keep people at bay and at distance from one another. Because he knows that if the body of Christ can get connected, can get honest, can get authentic, can get real, that they can move forward together so powerully and they can do so much damage to the kingdom of darkness and bring so much glory to the kingdom of God. And he hates that. And so he intentionally tries to isolate you and make you feel like you're the only one. Make you feel like you're a freak, a loser, reject. What he loves to do. Loves to isolate you. You can't hear from God. Everybody else is so spiritual. What's your problem? Everybody else has their lives together. Look at how well they seem to be doing. Look at how happy their marriage seems to be. Everybody else must have a perfect marriage. I'm the only one that's a big screw-up. That's how the enemy would love to make you feel. But if we would all get honest and real and authentic and help one another grow, we'd find out we all have our struggles. That we all have our strengths and our weaknesses. Amen? And it's through those things that the Bible says we're supposed to encourage one another and sharpen one another. In the good things and the bad things, we're supposed to encourage one another, lift one another up when our, our hands are heavy. We're supposed to be a family. Not perfect. Man, if you're looking for a perfect church, this is not it. I love you guys, but seriously, this is not it. And guess what? Neither is the one down the street that you think is perfect. Right? Because your family's not perfect, is it? 
you're sitting next to him, just amen. <laughs> Your family's not perfect, but whose is? Does that mean we give up on each other? Does that mean we quit on each other? Does that mean we stop loving one another? Does that mean we stop forgiving one another? Does that mean that we stop giving grace to one another? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Actually, I think that God puts us together in order to help us grow in those things. So as we move forward, not only do we become recipients of his goodness, but we become spouts of it. We get to just pour it out. And I think that moving forward as a church family, as I give clear direction, as I, as I do it, I'm doing it from a different standpoint than I could have done it three years ago. Because three years ago, I could have got up here and, I'm the pastor now. Okay, hear ye, hear ye. And everybody would have been like, who in the world? And some of you might have been thinking that three years ago too. <laughs> who in the world? What did we do? <laughs> but... Now that I feel like God has really done some things in my life, I can see some things. Now I can share those things with boldness and confidence and with conviction. Because my steps are getting a little stronger every time. Your steps are getting a little stronger every time. And the stronger our steps get together, the more of an impact we're going to have for His kingdom. The more we're going to grow as a family together. The more that we're going to grow as the body of Christ. And ultimately, the more glory that this church and us as individuals are going to give to God. Because that's why we were created. Amen? For his glory. So if we're created for his glory, we need to grow in giving him glory. Let's clearly move forward together from peace and trusting him and knowing him. Would you bow your head? God, I thank you for everyone in this place today. I thank you so much for clarity. I would ask you that you would help us to walk as a church family with clarity as husbands and wives and sons and daughters, as employers and employees, as members of this church, as people who call themselves Christians. Lord, help us to move forward in a way that would please you, that would be in your will by helping us to grow in trusting you and knowing that you are faithful, Lord, and that you're faithful every single time, even when we're not. And so, Lord, we just put our heart in your hands and we say, take it, it's yours. You bought us with a price. Here we are. Send us, Lord. Do in us and through us what needs to be done in order for your glory to be manifest to the world, whether it's convenient and easy for me or whether it may be something that I need to understand the grace that you've given me for God I want to thrive where you've called me so Lord I pray that you would help us all to grow in that grace so we can thrive in the areas that you've called us to and grow so we can be more effective so we can grow in influence for your kingdom for your purpose for your glory for your fame so we can be ministers of reconciliation to the world by spreading the gospel message of Jesus Christ that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us that We can now be right in the eyes of God and be brought into right standing and right relationship with a holy and perfect God through the sacrifice of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for awakening calling. Thank you for awakening things in us that have laid dormant for too long. Thank you for stirring even now, Jesus, and awakening, loosing the junk that has tried to hold that calling and that anointing back. That the sin that people may struggle with, Lord, that you're helping them to see themselves as you see them, God. Not as a slave, but as a free, forgiven person that is still called, that is still anointed, 
that still you have thoughts and plans for. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit wogcc.com.